Well, hello, everybody. We're back at it for our study on the Book of Romans here at Chick Fil A, the men's Bible study. Um, already had somebody ask us about our church and the study, and we're able to hand out uh, some information about our church, so that's good. Uh, if you are interested uh, in joining with us, please come on down. Um, it's Tuesday, November what, 15th, and we're doing this every other Tuesday, God willing, at Chick-fil-A in Sanford. Um, we got to about verse 18 of Romans chapter 1, and we started talking a little bit about that, but we're going to pick it up again at verse 18 down, hopefully get to the end of the chapter today, and then go on from there. So, um, I will begin reading at verse 18 of Romans chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Be uh, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their heart, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Uh, so we touched on, I think, what was it, 18 through 22 a little bit last time? Does that sound right? Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, we hit on the suppression of the truth. We hit on um, that God, through his creation, has made himself known. I believe those are pretty much what we touched on, right? So, um, you know, continuing down through that to the end of the chapter, he just sort of... It's sort of a cyclical, I don't know if cyclical is the best word, but this is sort of the pattern of all mankind since the fall of suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. And remember, this whole thing, verse 18, begins uh, with the word for, for the wrath of God is revealed. And just prior to that, of course, is 16 and 17, where Paul says, not ashamed of the gospel. For is the power of God is salvation for everyone who believes, the Jew first, also the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so connecting the gospel of salvation, Christ, by faith, trusting in him to be delivered from the wrath of God, 
which is shown to be just and righteous because all mankind is suppressing the truth in unrighteousness, and they're doing it um, against better knowledge, against natural revelation, what has been revealed, what has been made known um, from the beginning uh, of all that God has made of his eternal power and Godhead so that there is no excuse for worshiping what is made rather than the maker. And because they do that, the flow, um, of course, is that God further hardens them or gives them over. Verse 24, he gives them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts, dishonoring their bodies because they're exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And they're worshiping, you know, statues, idols, things made with their own hands, which not only is it foolish and absurd, but it, it is a moral issue. It, it, it's a lowering the sights from the glory of the maker to the things that are made. And it's really a switcheroo where man, if man can turn God into a block of wood, then really man can be sovereign over the God or turn the God into whatever he wants it to be to suit his own lustful desires. Um, and so a lot of these pagan religions would have these you know, fertility cults and all these sorts of things where they're giving themselves over to all sorts of sexual depravity and sins and this, that, and the other. Sometimes the name of appeasing the gods. But obviously in the process, they're gratifying their sinful desires, their passions. And so God gives them over more and more to that. Um, which I think you can parallel to our own culture today, giving themselves over to impure passions and turning certain issues or agendas or um, pet ideas or whatever into their own gods today and God gives them over into a debased mind and that cycle continues and we can get into more after that how it leads to all sorts of sins but I've talked for six minutes so <laughs> you guys yeah it's interesting the, the lie is that the that mankind is exchanging the truth of God, who God is, for the lie of the creature. In other words, instead of honoring God as the God, who is maker uh, of heaven and earth, uh, they are worshiping the creature. Now, what's interesting about that is that Paul cites the creature as those things such as man, but also four-footed beasts, creeping things, and so on. And given that uh, man in the beginning was put over creation, and he was to uh, be the one who would uh, subject the creation, and at that time it was primarily, well, I, I couldn't say primarily, but it was a lot of agricultural uh, zoological, if you want to call it that, uh, where it was, it was more the development of the earth was in the area of agriculture and and uh, livestock and so on. Since then, it has become more technological. But my point is this: is that that area where man was given uh, the responsibility to rule over and develop. Instead of doing that for the glory of God, they actually took that and substituted that uh, for God, made that 
revered, honored, and submitted to the creature, which is what God had put them over. The pattern has continued uh, in this, that as man was to develop culture, and, in that, and then at that time it was agriculture and, and horticulture and so on, we are continuing to, to develop culture, but it has taken on a more, uh, more developed sense in, in, as far as technology goes. And so what we are doing in subduing the earth, we are in a subtle way uh, taking the, making the technology the gods that we are exchanging the truth for. Um, our, you can almost look around, uh, cell phones yeah. have become so... We're dedicating ourselves being, being to so, yeah, being so obsessed with cell phones. Cinematography, um, the ease of transportation, the the power that you have inside your home with being on the internet, being able to learn, do things, and so on. That we've we've become so obsessed with that that we are uh, devoting ourselves personally our time to it, our education to it, our systems of uh, that are found within our culture and government is being devoted to this and in doing that none of it, in none of that are we thinking about God, thinking God's thoughts after him, uh, seeking to glorify God well, in it. it. You can be, but the question is are you? Right? That's, well that's yeah. what I'm, I'm talking about, mankind in Mankind against whom God is revealed His wrath, and He really unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. He really He revealed His wrath to man because of what He did did in the past, as Paul iterated. What I'm saying is, on the same pattern, for the same reasons, but perhaps with a different set of cultural things, He is doing the same thing. Right. That that pattern will never change. Right. I'm, um, where is it, where is it at where, uh, I can't remember what line, I know it's the rejected line, but he became the father of, oh, here it is right here, yeah, um, Genesis 4, um, Lamech has two wives, um, then you've got Jabal and Jubal. Um, Jabal was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. Jubal was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. Um, Zilla, she also bore Tubal Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. Um, you, you already had a variety of dominion taking going on there, is what I'm trying to get at. That, you know, but why is it telling us, oh, here's the father of. You know, musical instrumentation here. Well, because all that's legitimate dominion taking. Now, these were not the blessed line. You know, this was of Cain. And I've seen, you know, that, uh, what's that guy? That real fun guy, Van Drunen, David Van Drunen, 
uses that as a sign that it has nothing to do with Christians anymore, basically. That, that it is, um, what is it called, the common kingdom endeavors, mm. um, but not anything... That, that's two kingdom... Two kingdom theology that, that separates, you know, there, there, there's believer and unbeliever alike in one kingdom that's just common between believer and unbeliever, which is everything in one sense. And then the Christian kingdom is... I don't know. I don't know what it is for those people. Worshiping yeah. God on Sundays, maybe, and that's it? Yeah. I, I really don't know. There's no... Um, you know, even though later on in Genesis 9, the command is reaffirmed uh, to Noah to be fruitful, multiply, to fill the earth, and, you know, so do it and so on. Um, well, fill and, and fill the earth. And he may make a distinction there, too, about... Oh, it doesn't say subdue it, it just says fill it. <laughs> well, it does say that. Uh, then you go to, what is it, Psalm, um, you've given dominion over the work of your hands. You know, so it, it says Noah began to be a farmer. It was the, the pattern continues, but to your point, yeah, we, we, what, what is our culture version? What, what, what came around about 20 plus years ago? That was an idol in our culture. Twenty plus years. Yeah, ago. that on TV that took the culture by storm has the name idol in it. Oh, yeah, American, American Idol. idol right? And I, I enjoyed watching that. Uh, it was the first few seasons, and and it was a sensation. Um, you know, the, we worship musicians. We worship music. We worship entertainment. Um, you know that Neil Postman book, "Amusing Ourselves to Death," which was written in the '80s really still is a perennial read on just how we have gone from a text-based culture to a, a, um, a visual culture, you know. And so we, we can't think anymore. People can't even think in words. They think in images, you know. Um, you think of all the action movies, the Transformers, you know, shows like that. And it's, it's just eye candy, but there's no real... A lot of times, there's not a lot of a plot to it. Yeah. I don't know, some people love those, those movies, and I, uh, I enjoyed The Dark Knight and Batman. I thought they had an interesting you know, plot to it. I know some of them have some substance to it more than just, oh, flashy things. But, um, you know, by and large, that's what it is. And now, with sort of the woke stuff coming into completely into the movies, it's, it's all a sign of Romans 1. Um, God giving themselves over to their lust because it's just now you know, magnified in, in, in film in music you know, filthy, depraved stuff you know um, pornography um, hardcore pornography and all kinds of stuff um, there's, no, there's no legal well Child pornography, I think, is illegal. But other than that, I don't even know if any of it's illegal. Like, I think it's all fair game. And, you know, I've read so many statistics about the percentage of porn sites out of the total websites, you know, uh, on the Internet. And it's just an astronomical amount, you know, how much is used, uh, that snare, that temptation. But, you know, we're, we're, we aren't advanced creatures compared to these primitive people cutting themselves and having their fertility cults and lusting. It, it, it's still there. It's just techno-lust now. It's, um, um, yeah, I, I think also it's uh, important to note, some would, some would disagree with this, that 
uh, the sin of homosexuality, um, they would say, well, that's just another sin. But to me, it seems that it is the sin that God gives over, uh, man gives mankind over to as uh, basically as a kind of a form of punishment. Uh, and it's, a, it's another way of his wrath being uh, poured on them to give them over to this kind of sin. Um, and so, where you see homosexuality flourishing, there you see that society, that culture, uh, going down that road of suppressing the truth in a more uh, purposeful, in-your-face way. Yeah, the, the sins that God gives you over to is the judgment upon you. Yeah. Um, it's not like he has to strike down, send down a lightning bolt. To be given over to sin is to be given over to the devil, to be given over to your own lust, is, is to be give, given over to judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, Sodom and Gomorrah were, yes, literally burnt up, but they were already um, full of everything you read here in Romans 1. They were already so depraved. You know, they're banging on the door to rape, violate, you know, these men, angels, you know, whatever, uh, that they didn't know it was who they were or what they were. But this is everyone, old and young alike, or, you know, all came out. So it seems like when you look at the flow of Romans 1, there's like this hinge point when the people of the nation tip into this sort of vile passion, not my word, just God's word. God gives them up, verse 26, to vile passions, and then it explains what they are. Even their women exchange the natural, natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leave the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving of themselves the penalty of their error which was due. You know, God is saying this is a vile passion, something that you have to be given up over to by God. So even, I would, I would I believe the Bible is teaching there aren't people born gay. There are people who in their own suppression of the truth are given over to these vile desires. But the church, even reformed people, have a hard time uh, affirming that, saying that. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll be mealy-mouthed and say, well, you know, there's genetic predispositions, this, that, and the other. And I, I'm not saying someone might not be more naturally susceptible to this or that. I'm not saying if something horrible happens to you sexually as a child that that could mess you up. I'm not saying that there isn't some sort of genetic component. Um, but this idea idea that there's a gay gene is ridiculous. And contrary to scripture, <laughs> you know, it says you're given up over to this. Because there are certain sins that are unnatural. You know, a a unbeliever a, a mother who murders her own child that's an unnatural sin um, you know when you read the horrors in the Old Testament the judgment will be so severe that mothers will eat their own babies that's an unnatural sin but we by nature are sinners so it's like a double unnatural thing it, it's something even um, unbelievers those outside of God's people aren't born so depraved 
that they, by their sinful nature, do this. Now, it's all because of God's common restraint on, on people, but that's what's being removed here. This is what God is giving them over to, is removing his restraining goodness, restraining graces, even upon unbelievers, and giving them over to this madness. And so then it seems, when you get to verse 28 in the rest of the chapter, it goes on, like a further spiral. So they've been given over to these unnatural lusts, and then it says, God gives them over to a debased mind. Well, isn't that exactly what we have seen in our culture? 2015, they legalize gay marriage from the top down, a Burgerfell or whatever, and they said, oh, you know, it won't get any crazier. <laughs> and boy, how long has it taken? Just a few years. We don't know what a boy or girl is anymore. It has everything to do with the, the, the initial insanity of the Supreme Court and, and the nation agreeing that gay marriage is good, is legitimate, is not bad. And at the time, maybe some people were like, well, what's the harm? You know, sort of libertarian mentality. Um, well, there's a lot of harm. When people have vile passions, if it's not affecting you yet, it will. And I think verse 28 and following is all the, the, the evidence of that. that. Their minds are twisted, debased, and it says they do things which are not fitting. Verse 29, they're filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud boasters, inventors of evil things. Yeah, like you can mutilate your body and, you know, yeah. Um, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, and loving, and forgiving, and merciful, and they know the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Uh, homosexuality is the gateway into this, is, is I think what it's, it's teaching here. So the bottom level isn't the homosexuality, but it is the hinge point that leads you into this full-blown thing here. Because I've seen others who try to say, well, if you keep reading to the end of the chapter, you know, it says, verse 29, unrighteousness, all sexual immorality, covetousness, maliciousness, pride, backbiters, all of that is just as bad as, you know, the homosexuality. So you can't single homosexuality out as worse than these things, because aren't we all prideful? Aren't we all um, disobedient to parents at times, undiscerning and untrustworthy? So they, they try to flatten it out rather than see that God is... There's a progression here. It's swirling down the toilet. And I think, we're, are, are we not living that out? <laughs> you know, these people are that are going down this road are, are violent, are wicked. Why do we have so much violence, you know, over climate change? Over, you know, they're, they're, what are they like pouring spaghetti sauce on the paintings? And this had another one of those things where it was oil. You know, stop, you know, drilling for oil is to that today I think um, now you might say well is that really that harmful well how long until it's you know tarring and feathering somebody you know so um, that that's the problem even with you know with our elections and all that we just had is there's so many Republicans who are homosexuals you know Trump and them support that they're not opposed to that you, you can't have it both ways you cannot do it um you know, so we have to be willing to stand on God's word here, not in a harsh and cruel and mean way, 
because there is forgiveness. You know, such were some of you, Scripture says. You were sexually immoral and this, that, and the other. So it says homosexuals explicitly in there. It's not, this is not the unforgivable sin. This is not, well, I can't help this, which is what even Greg Johnson of the PCA, who's a minister in the PCA, would say. Um, no, God can save us from all these things. But we also can't pretend that this is no worse than any other sin. I was, you know, hearing the stats, like one in five of the, you know, Gen Z, um, 18 to 20 whatever year olds. It's like one in five identify LGBTQIS, whatever, you know, I mean, is astronomically higher than even millennials. If that's the future, you you know what the future of the nation is yeah. if we don't call people to repentance. And we can't, you can't call people to repentance for everything except the most important thing, the most insane thing right now, that you're mutilating your bodies, you're, you're, you're have vile passions, sexual passions that are completely, you know, we're not talking about a teenage boy who's strongly attracted to women here that just needs to have some restraint. We're talking about unnatural, vile passions off the rails. And if they're vile in that, they're going to be vile in all these other things. Pride, wickedness. That's that's what Romans 1 is saying. So. What's even scarier is U.S. is leaking the charge. Yeah. And everyone looks at us as the We're exporting this, yeah. yes. Yeah. Which is horrifying. It is. It is. We're in a sophisticated country. Right. And, and that's where, you know, because I follow, have followed so much of this stuff, the discussions on these things online, you know, you have some conservative Christians, reform people. I'm not saying I agree entirely with them. I don't. But I understand the sentiment where, you know, they want Russia to win. <laughs> you know, because they want... Globo, uh, what do I call it? Yeah, gl- global homosexuality, globo homo, to be defeated. You know, because Ukraine, Zelensky, they're, they're, you know, they're pushing the same stuff. But what is Putin against? He's against that stuff. They claim they're for the God, you know. I, I don't think there's good guys in us on either side. But that's kind of the point. We, like, knee-jerk react to, oh, support Ukraine, support Ukraine. There's two evils here, you know, like pick your poison. And, uh, you know, it, we're, we're going to face God's judgment just as much. Yeah. yeah. to move forward to chapter 2? Is there more to say on chapter 1? Well, just the final note of the, uh, of the last verse in that chapter is yeah. that uh, those who do these things which God has given them over to that they know the righteous judgment of God in- inherently though that's, that's a truth that is also suppressed but inherently the knowledge is this is that what you are doing is wrong and there is judgment for it yeah. and but they suppress that and instead of repenting instead they not only do these things but also approve 
right. of others who do it. Yeah, it's your gay pride parade. Yeah, it's yeah. just just the just the extreme opposite of repentance. Yeah. Humility before God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, this is the kind of stuff that for me, not that at this point in my life I have any doubts, but it's just reconfirming everything God's word says is true. Because it is the boastful, the proud who do this, and you you literally they literally call it you know pride parades and stuff. Like it, it's it's just so confirming. And when you see it playing out, it, it you know the Bible gives you the roadmap to righteousness. It is wisdom. It does show you how to fight against these things, protect yourself and your family, build something, be a refuge for those whom God is calling to salvation. Um, doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's going to be pleasant. Doesn't mean it's not going to be dangerous. But the Bible has all the answers because it's God's word. <laughs> it's the full counsel of God, and and that's the other side of the coin. You know, the Christian church, I think, has spent a lot of time, I mean, emphasizing the sinfulness of these things, which we have to do, but I think at the same time, having forgotten the positive, the good of marriage, biblical marriage, the good of what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman. So we just look like, um, when we do that, we just look like cranks, or we just look like um, bigots, you know, as we'd be called, haters, without an alternative. It's like, well, we're happy, you know, what, what's the harm here? And, and, and we can sit there and say and give stats or whatever about, you know, diseases and this, that, and the other. You know, I remember a debate at Grace Christian School that I went to, um, and, you know, there was a, a, a discussion on should, you know, high schools give out condoms. You know, and I had a debate partner, I won't say who it is, but she, you know, had argued the side that we were given, but she didn't agree with it. So it was really just me as the only one who really was like, no, we shouldn't do this. It's promoting sin and saying, hey, if you're going to do it, just be safe about it. And just, you know, promiscuity. Um, but they were like, you know, their position was, well, we don't want people to get diseases. We, you know, we, we don't want unwanted pregnancies. So it, basically, like, the Christian view out of love, you know, would be to to supply these um, and it just time astonished me that people would actually say that you know but I'm like well fast forward 13 14 years whatever it's been since that 15 years old I'm gonna, oh man yeah 15 at least <laughs> and here we are um, but there was never I don't even remember what I said in defense at that time probably not as much as I could have or should have but you know, the idea that, going all back, back to Genesis 1, God made us in his image, male and female, he created them in his image, that there's differing glories that man and woman have, complementary, but not the same, and therefore, if we try to make men and women interchangeable, we're, we're dishonoring the image of God that we're made in, and just developing that from the scriptures and seeing that it's good to be a woman, it's good to be a man, it's good to be masculine, it's good to be feminine. And in fact, it is a sin against nature, God's nature that he's made you in, to go contrary to that. Um, that's the road we have to plow down. 
um, because when the church said, well, there's really not much of a difference between male and female, it just opens up the door to homosexuality and everything else. Because why not at that point? But if there's a complementary relationship, if there's differing glories, differing glories that a man and a woman has, and therefore there's something beautiful and glorious and unique about the calling of womanhood, of motherhood, of homemaking, something unique about as a man, you know, leading the home and being the provider and protector. Now you're you're putting forward the positive scriptural vision for what is blessed and what is good, and and take that vision that scripture lays out toe-to-toe with the alternative we're going to win every time even if they don't like it you know, there, there's drag queen story hour how in the heck is that loving is that caring for children compared to a mother and father having babies sacrificing their time and energy to love them, to nurture them, to raise them if they're boys to be boys and girls to be girls, picturing the image of Christ in the church, which, which is what marriage does. You, you can't compete. You know, like if we would just preach the basic truths for those who aren't completely given over, that's gonna soften things, you know? And I think, you know, with the other men here that are my age, we, we have young large young families. And I know, I'm sure it happens with you guys, like when our wives are out at the store with all the kids, they get all sorts of remarks one way or another. But I think in general, they get favorable remarks, at least in my wife's experience. And, oh, I'm so happy to see that. You don't see this so often. You know, some people are pretty rude. And like, you know what causes that, right? But, yeah, it, it's... Well, I think do I'm telling stories about... I do understand where this comes from. Yeah, yes, thank you. Yes, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it, too. So, but, uh, um, it is a witness to people, and and I think that when you see it, there are a lot of people that are bitter, and it affects women more than men because there's a biological clock on them to have babies. Um, and they're most out of their element, women, when they're, I'll just say it, out of the home, not with children, not being nurturers um, for an undue time. And I mean, I, I'll go ahead and connect it. I mean, the only voter block that voted for the hard left party was unmarried women, you know? And it's like 60 something percent. Every other block, Tim's laughing, but you know, went Republican. I'm not going to say we should take away the vote from women, but. You know, I, I will. <laughs> Tim will, but he's <laughs> just kidding. But you know, it it, um, it it's all connected. Is the point? It's all connected, and you know, do do you want sanity? Do do you want hugger mugger and? the LGBTQ Resource Center to pick off your children on the streets in town in Sanford here and lure them in to mutilate their bodies potentially, but certainly become weak, become needy, become viewed as, you know, because I know a lot of these people are on antidepressants, I know a lot of these people are on all kinds of stuff, and they have no real self-confidence, many of them. Even though they scream they have it, it's, it's, it's a veneer. Or do you actually want to know the truth that God has made you in his image as a man or a woman? And 
it's good and there's a purpose to that it wasn't an accident it wasn't um, you know a meaningless thing right what the Bible teaches about manhood and womanhood and as is expressed in marriage but even in singleness um, is a wonderful thing and so as you explore that you really have the counter to the selfishness and sorrow of being ruled by these vile passions and you know chastity faithfulness in marriage the structure that creates in the home of the family fidelity to your spouse their fidelity to you like you can't get that in and anything goes do what you want desire what you want world and people think well it's better because I can do what I want it's not better Nobody, nobody loves you at that point and you don't love anybody you just love yourself so yeah it, and, and as you said the last verse there in verse 32 it says they know the righteous judgment of God so even throughout all this they're still suppressing the truth and unrighteousness right? they're, they're, they're still having to push down their guilty consciences I think a lot of them do a pretty good job in succeeding uh, you know because it does say uh, they do not you know like to retain God in their minds uh, yeah verse 8 28 um, in their knowledge so they they persuade they're self-deluded they persuade themselves there is no God or that their God loves this stuff but at the same time there's still a prick of conscience and that's what we have to appeal to. And we have to appeal to that you are an image bearer of God. You can't escape that. Now, that sounds like a good Ventilian, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, pray the Lord would soften hearts. I mean, there, are, there is a whole growing community of um, people who have detransitioned their bodies and have realized I was told a lot of false things. I did some foolish things. This isn't good or healthy. Some of these people are becoming Christian, some of them are not, but that's going to increase too because it's not stable and um, in one way or another it will all blow up on people. So, so to blame our, our gender, how much of that do you think is a uh, man's fault of being a household member like he should be? Right, no good example, no nurture. Look at, um, I mean, obviously Russia's got long list of issues but they do keep to what a man should be and what a woman should be right and the stuff that they do is not quite what we do right like in hollywood particularly right. but like what you see on the screen and stuff like that yeah so i wonder how much you can contribute probably a lot of it more than we even know i mean <coughs> parents not being in the household or being in a household that is broken you know yeah. abuse or you know, no emotional support whatsoever, right. which we typically find. I mean, how many guys do we know from growing up that have no interest in being emotionally attached to their kids? Um, so I think that's, I'm, I speak for myself, but I'm assuming you guys too, but like if we're in the grocery store with our kids, I think a lot of people are shocked that we're involved with our kids. Yeah. We're holding a baby. We're changing yeah. a diaper. We're The men, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're disciplining yeah. when necessary. I mean, right. Um, I've had a several people talk about that we're talking about how well behaved our kids are when they're in the presence of their father right I mean a lot of that I think comes down to the, the household yeah. which it's not ironic that the U.S. is deemed the household is you know we're no different than anybody else right and then 
with our country now, we're kind of a laughing stock. Yeah. Um, just side note. No, I think that's that's a good point, and it is a very um, feminized culture. I mean, the women are favored. Um, in the big picture, you know, I'm not saying every last scenario. No, the feminists don't think they are. Um, that even exile video that can impress did is really good. Really good yeah, yeah, on that, and uh, that's worth walk, watching for sure. And um, the whole—it was just really well done. But yeah, you know, just for example, what, what was I seeing or watching? Oh, it was, it was actually the, it's kind of funny, the, uh, we were watching with the kids, the Torchlighters, have you ever watched that with your kids? And, uh, and I think this stuff is really good and moving, you know, but one of them was about Jim Elliot and, um, you know, the martyred missionary to the, was the Aka Indians, and, um, but at the beginning of it, it's like, you know, this little romance thing going on in the video where, you know, Jim Elliott, I guess, was a wrestler, and he's like, I just shirt off wrestling this guy, and the women are like, oh, who's that guy, and stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, could you imagine if it was reversed, and the men were sitting there watching the cheerleaders or something? It was like, wow, look at that, look at that one. Raw, you sick pigs, you know, and all that. Um, you know, look, I'm, I'm, my point is that, you know, women can walk in half naked, and if a man notices, he's a devil. But the woman's not a whore for dressing that way. <laughs> um, now, men need to be recording. pure, but do I? We're still recording. Yeah, we are, yeah. <laughs> well, I, no, it's I, think it's, I think it's relevant, isn't it? Is. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's the reality. And, um, you know, you, a minister... If he dares says that women need to dress modestly, and so many churches will just get lambasted for doing that, even if he's not being specific, like there's some of you women here, even if it's just like you know women need to be really careful, you know, and and I think even most evangelical churches it, it's like that. You can take Amy Bird, you know, the darling or former darling of the OPC, Machen's denomination, um, you know, just all the garbage he says and you know. It, it, we have no place. We have we, we we don't even men do not value women in the home as they ought to. Women see it as you know ball and chain in the kitchen and that kind of thing because there's no. So I was about to say actually. Yeah. We just don't have respect for women. Yeah, right. For the world doesn't are. know that either. Obviously, so shame on us for not teaching that yeah. more of like. I remember someone saying something about you know why would you not want your wife dressing like that and not because I'm afraid of her. You know, causing someone to lust, but because I respect her so much, yeah. That like that bond that we have that is between her and I only is like there's a high reverence for that, right? Not a controlling interest or you know being a slave, but yeah. just a like a beautiful worship at how it was made, yeah, for me, for my eyes only and stuff like that, right? But you say that this day it sounds weird. It sounds like slavery or yeah. something crazy <clears throat> like that, right? Um, right. But it's, yeah. it's just a reverence, yeah. For, and no, no one's talking about. You know, burkas. No one's talking about, um, you know, well, like, we can live, like, never leave the house ever. Yeah, like, right, like, right. No, no one's saying that. Barefoot all yeah, the time. barefoot and pregnant. Right. I mean, I think women ought to be 
beautiful and adorned as such. But there's a way to do that modestly, dresses that aren't revealing, um, etc. And that's healthy. That's healthy display of feminine beauty. It, 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 it's it, it's a it, it's promoting the that God made women to be beautiful, but not just pure objects of lust. And there's a huge difference there. And I think that's also where the church has gotten it wrong, where the Bill Gothards and other conservatives believe, well, in order to be modest, women have to be frumpy and ugly. But that's not true either. Um, and, and so there's so much to say on all that. But, you know, what does it have to do with Romans 1? Well, this is how you restore right affections between men and women. You know, what did God make men for? What did God make women for? You know, I had somebody at a group I was speaking at, you know, I don't know, six, twelve, yeah, you know, six, nine months ago, um, and I was talking about the role of family and to a bunch of twenty-something-year-olds and in a, in a home, and you know, I was actually pretty pleasantly surprised how much the the, the young women there jived with it. You know, having said that, one of them did say something like, "Well, what about my dreams? You know, what, what you know, what about my?" Uh, whatever ambition, career ambitions, I think is what it really came down to. And I don't remember all the details of how I answered that, you know, and it, I don't think that this necessarily precludes women from being able to work. But when your priorities are out of skew, you're going to delay marriage because of that. You're not going to have kids because of that. And that is certainly wrong. I mean, that's the Bible says for the younger widows to remarry, one, to bear children. To not be busybodies. That's not me saying that. That's the Bible saying that. Um, but it also says for men and women to, you know, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Um, it says for women to be homemakers in Titus. That that that's what Paul tells Titus to tell the people, the women. And so, I think we have to just affirm that. Yeah, you know, God has given a more clear and particular realm for women than he has for men, which is in the home as a helpmeet to man. And if you don't like that as a woman, you're sinning against your feminine nature. Well, you're just a brutal, abusive man trying to, you know, this is what God's word says. And, you, and when you embrace it for a woman, it's a wonderful thing. And the man is thankful. If the man embraces his duty to love his wife as Christ loved the church, he's sacrificing for her. He's giving himself for her. It's not like the man, you know, like I've heard it put that way too. Like who who has the harder role, the man representing Christ or the woman representing the church? Well, they're both difficult. The woman has to submit to a man who isn't Christ, who isn't perfect. But the man has to represent Christ and be that kind of man to his wife. And so it's a two-way street. The man has the authority in the home, but it's an authority of nurturing and cultivating his home loving his wife sacrificing for them and the children and the wife is beautifying the home and so men are slobs men are you know not taking the initiative in the home and Brandon's talking about that you know abandoning the home not leading by example and so when I you know I think when we say yeah the culture is feminized it doesn't mean that there wasn't some of this caused by lousy men who failed to lead men and women are at fault here both and um, but we, the churches have to preach this, you know, 
the sinfulness of vile passions, but the righteousness and beauty of male and female, and masculinity and femininity, and husband and wife, and families, and children. But we're a culture that loves to kill our children. <laughs> we don't want children by and large. Even so many Christians don't. Even though birth control, the way we know it today, was not in existence really 100 years ago, hardly. But we got about 12 minutes left, so do we want to talk some more about this or jump into chapter 2? The men are reflecting. <laughs> Maybe read the first 11 verses and touch on it a bit. Does it sound good? Anybody want to read? Can you read that small print there? <laughs> yeah. So Romans 2. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. Yeah, so man knows what he's doing is wrong. That's what the end of verse of the last chapter says. Those who practice such things, they know the righteous judgment of God. They, they, you know, and that's where two things: people do convince themselves that in some degree, no, there is no judgment. Like. I think Romans 1 is a very important chapter for apologetics and how we approach people on this. Now, I know some hardcore presuppositionalists will say, nope, you know, you know you're lying, you're a liar, you know it. <laughs> and I, I don't agree with that line. I think there are some people who are consciously knowing that, that they are worthy of death. But I do think some so convince themselves, as Romans 1 talks about, they don't retain God in their minds 
it gives them over to that delusion that they really have persuaded themselves consciously that no, there's no God, there's no judgment. They soothe themselves. But that delusion, that soothing, is after a long line of suppressing the truth. And what the gospel does, what taking the truth to the people does, is makes it where they're going to have to reactivate that suppression because <laughs> it's going to push it back up into their consciousness to some degree. And so we have to hold fast to that, to... to what Paul says here, what, what God's Word says here, you are without excuse. You have a knowledge that what people, th these evils that people are practicing, these vile passions, and if you yourself are doing it, you know. Just remember when you did know, you know that this is unhealthy, you know that this is twisted, you know that it took you a long ways to get to the sick place that you're in. And that the Lord's judgment will fall upon you if you do not repent. But it says in verse four, "Do not, you know, do you despise the richness, richness of God's goodness, forbearance, and long suffering? It's meant to lead you to repentance. You know, while there is life, there is hope to repent, to turn from these things, and to be all that God has called you to be." But if you don't, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath. Because God will render according to our deeds. Not that we earn salvation, but that judgment is according to our works. Works revealed to be done in Christ, justified by faith alone in Him, or works done apart from Christ, not covered by the blood of Christ, and therefore only judgment to come. Jew and the Greek crawl. So we we need to pursue righteousness, and and that's not a rightly understood. Pursuing righteousness is not a burden. It's a it's a safety and it's a joy. Um, I mean, I would not trade to put it as crassly or as bluntly I would not trade being married to one woman with six and to be seven children than to have no children and have sex with any woman I could I wouldn't trade it for anything um, because there's fruitfulness and delight and faithfulness and knowing your wife and having children being committed to them seeing their love and joy for you and knowing it's all a reflection of God's work in you um it's a greater joy. I, I remember reading this this interview. I'm going to throw a name out there that will send a shiver up your spine if you know the name. And if you don't know the name, good. He's uh, he, he's nasty. He's like a, a, a male porn dude or whatever. Ron Jeremy, if you've heard of that name. There's an interview with this guy. You know, we got five minutes. Good. <laughs> and he was talking with uh, a Christian and basically this guy, Ron, said, well, we're really not that different. You have sex with your wife thousands of times, and I have sex with thousands of women. And he said, see, it's the same thing. There's no difference there. There's a whole world of difference there. It's a completely different thing. What, you know, what the Proverbs say, do not cast your spring, your, your, your energies all over the place. You know, that, that would be like... You know, what was an agricultural analogy? 
you know, buying a thousand acres and planting, you know, one seed all over the place at random rather than plotting and plowing a certain portion of the land and developing and cultivating that and then moving forward to the next piece. It, it, it's, it's not productive. You're not going to get lasting joy out of it, um, diminishing returns and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, that, that's... But all people can see is their insatiable lusts, you know, their cravings. And, and come on, we're all men here. We know we have lusts still that we have to resist. By no means am I sitting here saying that I'm a lust-free, perfect man. So, you know, when we say we love our wife and children, we do. But we still have temptations. And, you know, that's just a reality that we have to push against. But, but we... By God's grace, we know what is most delightful and what is best, and we keep pursuing that. And that's what everybody, every man, needs to pursue. That's called the marriage, which is most men. Because if we're not, you know, the wrath of God is going to fall. And it's hard to be productive apart... I, I, I would just say I think it is difficult to be productive apart from marriage over the long haul. You can be. If you get really plugged into certain things, but your, your your productivity, you know, man goes out and works, ideally, and, and it would have been always before the fall, for the purpose of cultivating his family. You know, I believe the fall, the teaching of scripture would be that the fall really introduced lifelong singleness in some situations, which isn't always a sin or wrong or bad. But when the command was be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, that, that, was, that was every man, every woman would have married, paired up in time and done that. I, I, I think that's the clear teaching of scripture and it's still the clear reality that the vast majority of people are either getting married or are sexually promiscuous and still having children, even if some of them are aborted. Um, but there's no productivity to it because they're not in marriages, they're not in homes, they're not building that household church, that household community, that first realm where we must be faithful. And strong families create strong churches, strong communities, and strong communities create strong states and nations. So that's what we're up against. We got a minute and a half. Anybody got some <laughs> final thoughts? better form them quickly. <laughs> We're running out of time. Um, so, I, you know, next time then we'll pick it up at verse 12, maybe touch a bit more on verses 1 through 11 of chapter 2. Um, you know, Paul's going to be building up here to how all are guilty before God, none is righteous, no, not one, and therefore we need Christ. You know, you can't pursue righteousness until you're born again. You can't be born again if you don't repent and confess Christ. You can't do that unless a preacher is sent. So we, as Christians, must be faithful. Our churches must be faithful, holding fast to the truth and living that out in our lives and actions. So if there's nothing else, the last 20 seconds here, we'll uh, wrap it up. Hope whoever listens enjoys. Please join us every other Tuesday at Chick-fil-A in Sanford. Uh, 
We'll continue Romans 2 next time. Thanks and God bless.